0: So it's been storming here for the past two days. We got that, the remnants of that tropical storm that blew through and it's, it's raining and thundering right now as I speak. So if my power blinks and I disappear, just keep going and I'll get back as soon as I can, I guess. <laughs> Although I don't know if that'll end the call or not. But if I suddenly disappear, you know that I've been hit by lightning. I'm too classy for my code, too classy for my code, codes all injected. I could let this song go the entire two and
1: a half minutes. I love it, this is my favorite one. Yeah. Me too.
0: I for a minute. Use classes for my nodes, use classes for my nodes, classes for all code. I use injection for a service. Injection for a service. It's fine, don't be nervous. It borders on creepy sometimes, but it it's so slightly. <laughs> i so classy, I write plugins. So classy, I write plugins. It said no more info hooks. I write modules. I keep my code clean. And I keep my Koji Couples thanks to testing. Yeah, thanks to testing. Thanks to testing. Yeah, I keep my Koji Couples
2: thanks to testing.
0: Don't you just want to have been like a fly <laughs> on the wall of his hotel room while he was practicing this?
2: No,
1: uh, oh, not me. I would have uh, felt on, so picture. embarrassed that I wanted to die. Well,
0: close your eyes and picture him. Picture him practicing this. <laughs> Got the full length mirror in his hotel room. <laughs> oh, in the wrong spot. Hello. Oh, All right, well, let's start uh-huh. the podcast anyway. That was Larry Garfield from DrupalCon New Orleans, the pre note. Um, hey, everybody. My name is Mike Anello, and welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast number 179. Joining me today is Anna Colada. Hello, Anna hello 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 and kelly curry hey we finally got rid of uh, those pesky boys on the podcast
1: yeah this will be the <laughs> first time it's uh, me and kelly on a full-length podcast together sweet
0: really the two of you haven't been on any of them together yet wow well, no i'm just gonna shut up and let you guys run the show that seems like the wise, right. wise choice women taking over there you go um, all right. Well, hey, we have a guest as well. What, what do you know? So Michael Schmidt, welcome.
2: Hello. Gritty,
0: So let me, um, let me give you a little introduction here. Uh, you go by the username of Schnitzel pretty much everywhere, including Drupal.org and Twitter. That's you correct. Are, okay. Very good. So far, so good. Two for two. Um, you're the group CTO of Amazee. Uh, yes. And you're the CTO of uh, amaze.io, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes.
2: Correct. Yeah. Which is
0: a new, a new venture. Um, yes, it is. And you're also, um, I actually started, you know, making notes of like all of the things that you're involved with in the Drupal community. And then I gave up and I changed the introduction to you are a super active Drupal community uh, contributor. (laughs) um i think that's a a pretty safe adjective to use you've got you know numerous uh core contribution patches um as well as you know um, some module work that you've done you speak at all kinds of drupal events you are an organizer for all kinds of drupal events did did i miss anything or does pretty much everything you do with drupal fall into one of those three buckets
2: Yeah, that's pretty much. I, I used to, one part, I, I used to do all the photographs of the key, of the group pictures at the cons, but, but I'm passing that slightly, slowly over because I'm so busy at cons and the photo is a big part. So, um, yeah, I have now other people helping me, but yeah, I try, I try to, a lot of different things in the community. There's so many things that you can work on that you cannot in your regular job. So you just do them for the community and you learn new stuff. And that's what I like to do.
0: Yeah. So I would, I would ask you where you find the time to do all that, but that kind of gets to what we're going to talk to you about in a couple of minutes. So let's, yes. let's yeah. table that for a second. Um, before we get going and there's mad thunder going on above me right now. So I don't know if that's coming through on the mic. Um, before we do that, let me talk about our sponsor, uh, MyDropWizard.com. They are a Drupal six long long-term support vendor. Um, they do long-term support for Drupal six as well as support and maintenance for Drupal seven and Drupal eight. Um, so basically if you have a Drupal six site now that Drupal six has been end of life and you need to keep that site alive and secure and patched, um, rather than doing it yourself, uh, which can be a bit tedious especially if you are not super active in uh, the drupal issue queue and you know keeping your eye out for patches to all to drupal 6 core and drupal 6 modules you can basically hire mydropwizard.com to keep your site safe and secure from all the bad people on the internet um hire them and um, basically you give them access to your code base and they will make sure that As patches, security patches, um, are released that are related to your site, they will ensure that those patches are applied and tested. Um, They also can act as a white label maintenance and support uh, vendor. So if you are a Drupal shop and you want to offer this service to your clients, uh, you can do it through your client invisibly um, using mydropwizard.com. Uh, you can, if you want to hear more about it, you can check out, uh, Drupal Easy Podcast episode 170 from a couple of months ago, where, uh, one of the principals of mydropwizard.com, David Snopek was on and talked all about it. In addition, he joined us just a couple podcasts ago, um, at one of our DrupalCon New Orleans wrap-ups. So definitely check them out at mydropwizard.com slash Drupal dash six dash LTS. Okay. Back to you, Michael. Um, we want to talk to you about two things today, so we're going to have to be very cognizant of time and make sure we don't go too far down the rabbit hole with you, but I wanted to start with um, your community keynote. So you were selected in um, for DrupalCon New Orleans to provide the community keynote, which is basically the keynote presentation on Thursday of DrupalCon week. Um, so first, let's talk about you know, how did this come about? Um Was this something that you had a presentation for and you felt that it would fit? Or did you write this presentation specifically to try and get it to be the community keynote?
2: Yeah, it is. It used to be a topic that I was very, very interested in mental health in general. First, as a person myself that sometimes works very long times and a lot. So I um, that is that, but also as a in being a team lead and a management position of my companies um but also in Drupalcon Barcelona, I gave a session together with Lowry about burnout in the Drupal community, and if you remember Barcelona, it was the time where Drupal eight was not out yet. People felt really um in a hard situation where they they went on for a long long time, so we did a study or we did a survey about um how do people feel in the community in terms of burning out. And we realized that a lot of people actually replied in saying, Yeah, I'm I'm at the edge and I don't know what to do anymore. Like I wanna get Triple Eight released, but I don't know what to do anymore. I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling um yeah, I have no power anymore. And that was very Surprising for me that a lot of people they know that they are at the at the edge of what they can do, but they don't know how to get out of it. So we gave that session in Barcelona, and it was very well um, um, seen. The problem was that we it was the audience was too small. Um, it was part of a core conversation track, and we only had twenty people, twenty five people, which of course is a small one. It was a very good start, but I said, "Hey, we have to get that." topic um, out to the people, and I mean out to everybody in the Drupal con. And so while I was actually writing my other session proposals for New Orleans, I realized that there's the community keynote, and the track chairs um, of New Orleans wrote down in the track description some um, things they would like to see in that community keynote. And when I read there that they talked about mental health, I said, hey, that's my chance. So I never really planned to do a keynote about it. I r- really only read the track description while I was reading all other track description and realized, hey, I have a cool topic. Um, I think it's important to talk about that and it could provide the stage, not for me, but for the topic that is very, very important um, in our community. So I proposed it and then the track chairs selected three of, I guess, the 12 proposals. They selected three of them and then they let the community vote, and luckily, I got chosen by the community to do the keynote
0: so give us the uh kind of like for for people who didn't you know, who didn't attend or haven't watched it online um yet what's the gist of the keynote
2: so i ba- it's basically two things first of all um I'm sharing all my personal tips and tricks and hacks if you want to call them that way. That I learned over the last seven years while I'm working with amazing I'm being part of multiple companies. We, we start almost every year or pretty much every year we have a new venture. So that means like you're back into startup mode where you bootstrap for something from strap. And that means obviously, um, it involves a lot of working and a lot of hours and a lot of, a lot of things at the same time. So. I just figured out a lot of different things um, that helped me um, in basically staying sane. Um, and I just wanted to share them. And because I I realized that a lot of people, they also with the survey, but also just with talking to different people, that they are sometimes in very stressful situations, but they don't know how to get out or how to prevent them. So I just wanted to share my knowledge, like we do in the community in general. We share about... Um, which tools do we use, which site-building tricks, what back-end, which front-end. Like, we are so much a community about sharing. And that was the second point. I just wanted to start a discussion about mental health um, because I think as a tech community, we are super open in talking about anything related to tech. But we are very closed in term- talking about our own bodies, talking about issues, talking about anxiety, talking about stress, talking about mental health in general. So, and I really feel the more we talk about that, the less um, it gets a problem for people or people are less worried about to talk about it. Not only during Drupal Cons, but in general, in their offices, in personal lives, and people we need to talk about these topics because as long as it's a hidden something that nobody talks about we will never find solutions for for people that are in stressful situations and don't know how to get out of them
0: yeah, i think what was really interesting as i was as i was listening to your talk nothing there's nothing that you presented that was groundbreaking it was as i'm sitting there listening i'm kind of nodding my head going yeah that makes sense that makes sense of course you, you know that's oh, that's a good tip But it's one of those things that everyone, I think, kind of knows that they, they should be doing these things. Like you talk about setting goals and you talk about, you know, turning things off so that you're, you know, you have blocks of uninterrupted time. And you talk about, you know, the need to, to, you know, get away from your computer for a little while and let your brain kind of, I I believe the term was going to diffuse mode. Correct, yes. Um, So you mentioned all these things. And it was nothing that I hadn't heard before, and I don't think a lot of people hadn't heard before. But I think the context—the context that you put them in—and the fact that we all know we should be doing them, but we need—and I'll use your word because I believe this was on one of your slides—we need tricks to force us to do these things sometimes.
2: Correct. Correct. I think that's what it's all about. Um, I completely agree. I mean, all the things that I talk about, I found them myself, or I figured them out myself, and then I started to Google them, and I realized, oh, that's like something that um, is really like important, or studies, actually. I found a lot of the studies that I talk about in my, during my keynote, I found them after I'm doing them already for a lot of time, and I talked to a lot of other people. They say I do the exact same things. and. It's, it is kind of surprising to me, yeah, that somehow our brain is very good in ignoring, <laughs> in ignoring all the things that we know. And so just remembering them um or hearing them again and also hearing them from somebody else. And I think that's a big point for me, especially, yeah, like when we talk about the coach. Um So one of the things that I do, I actually have my own coach that I meet Roughly every month, and the only things we do is really we check in. So I'm just telling him like where are where I'm standing with my goals. Do I need to adapt them? Did they work? What didn't work? And then maybe he gives me some insights of his view of the things. But a lot of times it's just me basically being responsible and going to him and telling him about my status. And that slightly, I think you could call it fear of needing to report to somebody else. Pushes you so strong in achieving or pursuing your goals in a completely different way than if it's just yourself, like once a week, having a list, a to-do list. And yeah, yeah, I did that. I checked that off, but it's so different. If you have, if you have external insights into your um, goals. And I think that's a big part of it.
0: Yeah. I look at it as, you know, having external accountability. Mm-hmm. Like you, like once you've said something out loud to someone and that you're going to do, and this is, this is huge for me. You know, this is kind of my, you know, one of my little tricks is if I tell someone I'm going to do something, then it's, it's, it's done. It, it doesn't matter what it is. If I've, if I've said, I'm going to do something to someone else, it's done. If I've thought it to myself, eh, maybe it'll get done. Maybe it doesn't get done. Um, and so that's like one of the one of the little tricks that I use, which I, as I was listening to your talk, it was, you know, I felt that was very similar to, to what you do with your coach, where it's just mm-hmm. basically your coach reiterating what you've said previously. Correct.
2: Yeah. And one other thing that I, a lot of the feedback is now, interestingly, that a lot of people tell me they drink much more. So one of the parts that I say is during the con, uh, during the keynote was that, yeah, we should drink a lot of water. Um there is, interestingly, a lot of different opinions from science and also medical communities that say how much water you should drink. But I think we can all agree that we most probably don't drink enough. So I'm not sure. And I actually should have done some measuring. But I believe the lines in front of the bathrooms after my keynote during DrupalCon actually got longer. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um to keep... And that at the end, it's just about accepting that our body is part of our life and that we need to treat it like we treat everything else in our lives. And I think that's the big part. All
0: right. Very good. Um, the other – you know, one thing I did want to ask you about, something that I struggle with and I think a lot of people still struggle with, and I don't re—I really, don't think there were any tricks that you mentioned, but I did want to bring it up, is the, the task of finding uninterrupted time and – you know, and, and, you know, I think, as you said, you know, quit Slack, quit IRC, quit everything for a period of time so that you can focus on a single task for a significant block of time, like an hour or two. Um, so how, I mean, in the past, I've actually done that, um, st- simply by adding an item to my calendar and saying, you know, from 8 to 10 a.m. this morning, is quiet time where I'm going to work on project X or whatever. Um, are, are there tricks like that that you've heard of to, to kind of help people um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of get to,
2: there? To, to be honest, it's one of them that I'm also struggling. Um, I'm a person that really likes to help other people. And if somebody comes with a question that I have to answer for, I mean, I want to help that person, of course. I want to make their, their lives better or that situation that they are stuck in. And so you abandon your current thing you're working on, and then you come back. And especially if you are in a situation with like a big office, there are a lot of people can come to you and they have a really open this way of discussing things and helping each other. Yeah, it's going to be very, very hard. So I think one of the things that I learned is that um, a lot of times I didn't want to say No. If somebody comes to me and asks me something. So one thing I realized, if I can still say yes, but later, that still gives me a feeling of I didn't push that person back, I just postponed it a bit. So I tried that, and that actually works. Not all the time, because of course, um, if like a site is down and whatever, you have to help out, it's quite hard to say, let's do it in two hours. But a lot of times people come to you and have a problem, and they say, and if you tell them, yes, I can help you, but... I will do that in two hours and then you can block off a time, maybe in your calendar to that where is more the time that I'm, I'm walking around and I'm helping people. And then you have more the focus time because for me, the big part was saying, I don't want to say no. So we are still saying yes. It's still the, for my personal, it's still the not pushing back. Um, that's one way. The other way that I just la- realized is actually finding time. To work while not a lot of other people are working, so what I do, I get up quite early in the morning between five five thirty six and that gives me roughly two hours in the morning where not a lot of other people um, work yet at the team, at least in the Zurich office um and then that is really the time where I can focus. And interestingly, other people started doing that now. And there's like somehow an unwritten code of that. If you come early to the office, we all work ourselves and we don't talk a lot. <laughs> so, so I think, yeah, that's, that's, but it is definitely the part that is very hard for myself and to find a really good way. Because yeah, to be honest, just quitting Slack and quitting IRC there's still a small Michael in my head that tells me everything, every five minutes, there could be something you miss, there could be something you miss. And it's just, it doesn't give you a good feeling.
1: So um, in your presentation, you shared a lot of uh, like life hacks and coping strategies that are focused on individuals. Um, but what can organizations do to make sure their team um you know, re- reinforces it at that organizational cultural level about you know negating burnout and and supporting uh, emotional and mental well being.
2: Yes, I think actually a lot of the things I talked about um, are very important also on a management level or or, or on an organization level because um, I think especially talking about mental health is still something and there's also studies that show that that a lot of employees, they don't really want to talk about mental health issues with their employer. If it's about physical health issues, it's no problem at all. Um, but if you have mental health problems, yeah, it's not something you mentioned. I think that's very, very dangerous. So one thing that I try to do with my teams, um, one of them is first talk about yourself. Like start uh, an environment where it's completely fine in talking about mental health problems. So, um and I think the best way is first announcing that, that it's perfectly fine, but also go forward and be your own um example. So, start, talk about mental health things, about how did you feel during specific times. It can just be that, or it can just be like saying, oh, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night because I I was really stressed because the go-live that we have today. Like, it's these little things that just, that... Your team members and your employees realize that it's perfectly fine to talk about that. Um So I think that's one part. The other part that we also do, we allow every employee from our companies to have their own coach. And we as a company, we pay for that. So um because we see how important it is for some people just to go to somebody else that is not part of the company – um that, that you don't have to be worried. Oh, if I tell that, 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 that person now that thing, will he maybe go to my boss and tell them? No, it should be an external coach that you can go to and just talk. And I think, um, so that would be two things that I'm definitely doing, um, to make it easier for my teams to have an environment where, where these issues are just part like any other issues.
1: That works for day to day issues. Kind of like you said, you know, you have a a go live coming up. What about, um, employees, colleagues that have chronic mental health issues where they've gone to, you know, a medical professional, you know, they've been diagnosed with depression or anxiety attacks. Like that seems almost like a second level where you might even, you know, need to bring HR involved and, and make sure that everyone's getting their needs met.
2: Of course. Yes. Um, I think we should treat that like anything else. Like, let's say, like, let's say you have a situation where some people, they just need to step out of the office because of any reasons. And we have that the same, like we have people that, um, that have kids and we have people that don't have kids. We have people that, um, I don't know, they have pets and others, they don't have pets. And then it's, it's a regular known that, okay, like we sometimes have situations where we have to work longer in the evening. And, um, and then it's perfectly fine if one person cannot do that because they have to pick up their children from, from childcare or stuff. And, and so I think it should be, there's no difference in that because you have to step out of the office or cannot be part of that meeting because of any other reasons. And I think it's, it's important that it's the employee's choice to communicate why. If he doesn't want to communicate why that is now, that, then it's perfectly fine, but he can still do it. I, on myself, would personally encourage people to be open about it and talk about it because it's much easier for people to understand why things happen if you have at least some knowledge. Um And I think it's just important to, to not try to make it a secret or to not try to, yeah, but just tell them something else, why you have to step out now this afternoon or something. I, th- I think it's all about that.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate the way that your presentation, um, focused on, it, it it wasn't specific to Drupal 8, uh, contributors. And and that's, that's kind of where this whole discussion stemmed from. It stemmed from Drupal 8 contributors getting burned out. But I think as a community, we've been doing a pretty good job. And I, I think we still have some work to do as far as, um, making sure this conversation is inclusive of of everyone and that this is not just a core contribution issue. This is, this is like a person issue. This is if, if you are, you know, if you're stressed at your Drupal job and it has nothing to do with commute, with um, contributing back to Drupal, it's, we're all talking about the same thing. And it's, I think it's, it's really, really interesting that our community has kind of embraced you know, or st- have, let's say we're starting to embrace these conversations. Um, you know, starting with, you know, Mike Bell gave that keynote last year, um, about his, his battle, um, his battle, mental health battles that he's had. Um, that, you know, yours is now the second community keynote that's focused on, you know, a non-technical kind of person issue. Um, do you see that as, uh, and what else can we do other than just talk about it and you know more presentations is Is there anything else that as a community that we should be doing to uh,
2: kind of push this conversation forward? Yeah, I mean we could do i don 't know i I think maybe we could have a track where um, where people can do presentations like there's one very interesting thing that is called failconf where people the only topics about at that conference is about failures and it's either personal failures or company failures. Um, but embracing that, um, that environment that failures are part of our regular life and are also important to, to evolve and adapt because how can you do the best product if you never, if you never failed in, in doing wrong products? And so I think maybe that could be an interesting one where we, where we more broaden up the topic space. I mean we have so many tracks at DrupalCons. I think we could easily have a half one where people talk about fails. But again it's about it's about failure again. So or about um presentations again. One other thing, I mean we have buffs and there are already buffs that are more focused of specific topics. Um so maybe that could be a thing where we just have mental health buffs and where we help each other, give each other tricks in how to s- handle different situations. I also heard that some communities actually have coaches within the community. Maybe that could be a thing, that that we as a Drupal community hires coaches that are around. And if you are a contributor and feel like in a situation that you you don't know what to do anymore, that's the person you can go to and ask them, like, what should I do? Maybe that's a thing. Oh, Oh, go ahead, Anna.
1: Um, I just wanted to say, I went to a a DevOps conference last year, and one of the things that I noticed is there's actually um, one of the pillars of that community is what they call HugOps, where (laughs) it's, it's explicit in the values of that community that they recognize that we are all humans, we all face human issues, and part of the practice of DevOps is to help automate things to make the human life better. Um, but I thought HugOps was a really kind of fun, fun way to talk about it.
2: So you just meet and hug everybody?
1: I, I, I you could. Um okay. It's it, it's more about you know that the empathy and you know ah. taking time for yourself, mental health. Like like it's almost like a track that's included.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe we should have people offering free hugs at DrupalCons. I mean. <laughs> Well, I, can't believe- I think there are studies that, that show that like Hawking actually makes you happy. So why shouldn't we do that?
0: I can't believe I'm going to be the first person to bring this up. Maybe I'm the only one who's heard it so far. But in DrupalCon Dublin, um, one of the tracks is called Being Human. So they're, they, yeah, they're accepting papers for the Being Human track, which is, you know, that's kind of all the stuff that we've been talking about here.
2: Awesome. So, yeah, no, I haven't seen that, but yeah, uh, that's that's yay, great. Exactly. So, all right. it well, just kicked keep...
1: off a couple of days ago, I think.
2: Yeah,
0: the just paper um call for sessions just opened up, I think within the past week or so. Um I could keep talking about this topic, but we do want to touch on another topic uh while we have you here, Michael. And that is uh what you guys are up to with amazing.io. So you want to give us kind of the elevator pitch for uh, what Amazee.io is?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end, it started as a Drupal agency of Amazee Labs. So we started in Switzerland, in Zurich, um, being a Drupal shop. And in Europe specifically, or Switzerland even more specific, sometimes you handle data that is not allowed to leave the country. And so you have to host in one specific country. In our terms, it was Switzerland. And for a long time, I was talking to the existing platform providers or platform as a service providers of Drupal hosting um, and basically asking them if they can come to Switzerland and host there but I also understand that their systems are built in a way that that is either very, very hard or on the other side, not possible because they're depending on their cloud hosters. So we have built a system that does not have that requirement. So we are completely independent from any other hosting provider and, um, we have a small requirement of like having an Ubuntu running, and with that, we can deploy IO anywhere. So we are planning to have servers in a lot of different countries. We have U.S., Switzerland, and South Africa already. That's where the Amazio Labs offices are. But we are now working on the U.K., Germany, Australia, Canada um to just have servers where the data really needs to be. So that's one... And uh, that's how we came up. And I mean, we've built it for our own. We've built it for Amazing Labs. We've built it for the needs that we needed. And we realized at one point, um, that other people want to use it as well. Like I showed, and I think in DrupalCon Barcelona, I showed like some things on like how we can log in on the servers because during the presentation, I did a live demo. And then people came back to me and asked like, Hey, how did you do that? I want to, that was really easy, like to log in on the dev servers. I want that as well. And then first you're like, yeah, well, it's like our own system. It's not our business um, model of Amazelabs to provide hosting. But I realized that the demand is very big. And so we said, okay, let's do that. And we found a cool name, which is Amazio. And so we started a couple of months ago with providing Drupal hosting for everybody.
3: That's very cool. Well, you answered my first question, which was what gave you guys the idea to do this. So what are the things that you think set you apart from the other Drupal-optimized hosts like Pantheon and Acquia? And-
2: yes. So the first, definitely the biggest one, is more a business um, value, but um, so we can host anywhere you want. So we can go in any country. Um, if you want to host in Honolulu, we can do that. Um, as long as there's a server there, we can deploy our Amazio hosting environment on top of that, and um, and you can use it. But on the other side, we can also host in-client data centers. And that's, um, for some clients, especially the big ones, They what they started is to build all their private clouds. Like they maybe used to have data centers in their basement somewhere. And now they converted them all to really cool private clouds. And now they have all the servers, And but they still host their website externally. So what we can do is we can take one of their servers in their private cloud, deploy a on there, and run it in their data centers. And that means they still have full control over the data, they have full control over the servers. And... Um, but the developers can use all the cool tools of fully automated deployments and all the things that we provide. So that's one big part um, where we are different. But that's obviously mostly for, from a business point of view, developers. I mean, to be honest, do we really care where the site is running? Most probably not. We just want to have a cool and fast site. So for the developer point of view, what we provide is we have a local hosting environment that is built on Docker, And these Docker containers that you can start on your own computer completely for free, you don't even have to be an Amazio client for that, but they are the exact same configuration like dev and production sites. And that gives you the huge advantage of being completely sure of if something runs locally, it will also run on the dev site. And we also provide you with Varnish locally, we provide you with Apache Solar locally. So you can completely build your site locally and then push it and it will work. And that was something that, to be frankly honest, um, I never understood why should I have locally having another system than than runs my production site. And my developers asked me that. So I said, okay let's implement, let's build a system, and we invested a lot of time in having that, and now we have it. And, yeah, we are also opening it for anybody else to use. As said, you can just go on our website and start using it.
0: Yeah, I thought that was... That's fantastic. Yeah, that, I thought that was the coolest thing about this was the fact that, you know, you guys provide that local Docker environment. Um, one question about that, so when when someone stands up that environment, are all of the... Commands or tools that they need to push their site from local to dev to test is all of that included in the Docker environment or does the user have to go to, you know, a, a dashboard or something in order to, to do that? What, what's that process look like?
2: So deployments in our case actually happen via Git. So, um, we connect your Git branches with your environments. So if you want to deploy to your production site, you just de- push into the branch where your production site runs on. Um, if you want to deploy it to your development site, you just push it to the branch where the development site is working on. So, um there is no need to go to UI and drag and drop or anything at all. You can do everything from the console and directly run it there. Um because I mean UIs are definitely cool. They're cool to see like what is what is going on right now. But in like daily development workflows, I just wanna use the tools that I anyway use, which is the console, or maybe I use a git UI, and but I just I merge my stuff, I push it, and it automatically deploys. We have a Slack bot that tells you um, that when a new deployment happened. Um, so yeah, it should be really fast and really easy um, for users and no additional like, logins and stuff like that.
0: So it sounds like this is this is geared mainly towards developers. And I'm not saying that as... I, I guess I, I it's natural for me, and I think for other people to compare this to the other modern Drupal hosts out there. Um but it seems like for someone to be successful with this, you know, they're going to need to have a fairly strong knowledge of Git because they're going to have to be doing merges and, and, and pushing things around um, uh, quite a lot. Is
2: that a true statement? It is definitely a true statement. Okay. It comes out of a developer's mind, out of a team of developers right. that are very sim- familiar with Git and stuff. So our hosting environment right now, as it is built, and I'm not saying that can maybe change, but it could. Right now, it's built for people that are happy with Git and um, and know these tools. Um, so. If somebody comes and just says, Hey, I have one single Drupal site that I want to run. And I downloaded the zip code, uh, the zip tar file or whatever. Yeah. And I installed it <laughs> on my local. I mean, probably not it, I think not specific. I mean, we will not push them back, but <laughs> it's, it's not really made for these people right now. And they could maybe in the future. I mean, if I see like, You know, GitHub had the same problem. They had Git to understand it from scratch is very hard. So they built the GitHub Git client, which basically makes everything completely transparent. Like they don't even call it pull and push. They just call it synchronize. So with using like these tools, I think it could be very, very simple for somebody to use Amazio without any Git knowledge. But um, yeah, it's not built specifically for these people. All right.
0: Very good. Um, and then, how is what's the uh, the pricing model for this service?
2: So the pricing model is um, first of all, you have to decide if you want to host with our existing servers. Um, or if you want to have your own server. If you want to have your own server, you just pay us a flat fee per month per server, and then you can run as many sites, as many hits, whatever, um, you want to run on that server. It doesn't matter anymore. We will do the management of the server. We will do the the security updates. We will do the backups and the whole amazing IOs, But, yeah, you can do whatever you like on that. On the other side... Um, you can host with our existing servers and then we charge you per site so it depends on how many production and how many development sites you have Um, and then additionally we charge you per hits so we are not asking people on like how many CPUs or how many RAM do you need for your sites because to be frankly honest I don't even know myself how much (laughs) CPU a site is going to use I mean really I don't know um, and I'm hosting since seven years Drupal sites. And I mean, it's very hard to understand sometimes what, how, mu- how much RAM does like a module need. Like you install a Drupal module and suddenly your, your mem usage doubles. So we are not asking that. And we initially, um, or what we see with a lot of other hosting providers, they ask about page views. The problem is that I see with page views is in days of like Ajax request and big pipe with long pull or even completely decoupled websites where Drupal is not even delivering any HTML at all anymore. The question for me is what is a page view exactly? So we are not doing the page views. We are just asking specifically for plain hits. So every request on the server is counted and we count all your hits together. And there's a levels based on how many hits you have. And that's what you're going to pay. And that's it. So we try to make it as easy as possible for everybody to understand.
0: All right. Very good. Oh, go ahead.
3: Oh, do you have additional costs for SSL certificates or any other?
2: um... No, the only additional thing is more storage. So, um, so the more storage you use, that's going to cost additionally. But if you're question of SSL, no. And we actually provide free HTTPS certificates for everybody. Nice. Um, so we have, let's encrypt completely, in, um, Implemented, So when you have your site, you can just say, I want to have HTTPS, and you get an HTTPS certificate. We manage the getting it from it. We updating it every three months. Um, and we also tell your Drupal site that the whole thing is now running in HTTPS. So Drupal automatically creates um, links for HTTPS and stuff like that. And that also works, by the way, in the Docker environment. So you will not get a Let's Encrypt certificate. That's not possible. But we have like self-signed, so you can try how your site behaves. Because specifically, if you have like a lot of iframes or external CSS files or stuff like that, it's gonna be you have to test that that it actually works with HTTPS. But um, yeah, so also Apache Solar, no additional costs for anything like that.
0: Great. All right, very good. So I'm going to move on here to uh, the next section. Um, so just real quick, some Drupal easy news. And I'm going to mention um, we're actually doing a live training in at Drupal North, which is in Montreal. And that's actually happening a week from tomorrow. So depending on when you're listening to this, maybe it's already passed. So it is our introduction to Drupal 8 module development um, full-day workshop at Drupal North. So check that out if you're going to be at Drupal North. Uh, The following week, on uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, June 20th, 20th, 21st, and 22nd, we are presenting our online version of Introduction to Drupal 8 Theme Development. That is, it's actually a 12-hour class. We break it up into three half days. So, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, it will be from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight uh, Time uh, each day. Uh, add that up and that becomes 12 hours so anyway you can check those out at drupaleeasy.com as well as in the podcast notes there will be links to um all that stuff and i believe that the early bird pricing for that one is still in effect um, but probably won't be for too much longer so check that out um all right, so let's move on to three stories, and I thought this was kind of funny and completely unrelated, but uh, considering, Michael, you um, are Swiss, our top story is the fact that uh, Drupal's number one, it's, it's the title of a blog post, so let me read the title and then I'll, I'll explain. Uh, Drupal's number one is from Switzerland, and it's a blog post uh, by Jerome Zeck. Hopefully I pronounced his uh, last name correctly. Um, but Jerome's with MD Systems, which is, uh, Michael, you can probably confirm all this, it's a Swiss uh, Drupal
2: firm? Correct, yes. And his last name is Tich, but uh, well, there's, okay.
0: there's no chance of me saying that <laughs> properly, so thank you for covering for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've talked about this a few times on the podcast, that as people um, mm. make uh, uh, commits and, and, and uh, are active in the issue queues on Drupal.org, They can um, credit an organization as well as – or they can give credit to an organization as well as get credit themselves for that particular um, uh, patch or commit or or whatever it might be. Um, And all of that data is then tallied, and the results of that data are used to help order the Drupal um, uh, Marketplace page, the list of all the Drupal companies uh, in the Drupal Marketplace So the marketplace is actually ranked by the most active uh, contributors. And I should, I guess I'll specify code contributors, although you don't necessarily have to be code. As long as you're involved in the conversation around a patch, um, you could get credit as well, but it's sorted by the most active contributors. And for a long time, Acquia was the uh, number one contributor, but most recently uh, or more recently, I believe since I I, want to say February, I I might have my, my date wrong. Um, Hmm but recently md systems from switzerland has overtaken that uh that spot as the number one um company from a company contribution level which uh this is kind of a cool story um so michael let me ask you so who are some of the folks at md systems um who are uh, you know really active uh contributors
2: um probably the most known is uh, bertier or Sosha. Um, he is one of the long-term, um, contributor to a lot of different things in core. So, no, I think he was entity API was a lot of his part, but he also helped out in, he's basically the person that whenever you have a hard problem, you ask him and he helps you. Um, yeah,
0: he's helped so, me on, on occasion. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: So, and he is unbelievable in terms of how fast he understands things and um, knows a lot about, and you know, Drupal or car, the, Drupal core itself has also a lot of politics involved in terms of like who to talk to first and he understands how all that works. So he's a very, very um, cool guy and, but he's not the only one at empty systems. Actually the whole company is set up in a way that everybody that works at empty systems is contributing constantly back to the community. So um yeah, I think it's very, very cool what they do and they push Drupal further in a very, very good way.
0: I think the real question is how many glasses of water does he drink per day? Because he must, he must be chugging. <laughs> a
2: lot I gotta ask him that. I
0: gotta ask him that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. I thought that was a pretty cool story, especially considering, uh, considering our guest today. So let's move on. Um, our second story is also, I believe, gonna turn to our third story because it's a fairly big topic because there have been some, Pretty significant changes at the Drupal Association, um, in the past few weeks, uh, specifically since DrupalCon New Orleans. Um, I believe we talked about it, uh, on the last podcast that Holly Ross, the executive director of the Drupal Association stepped down and, uh, Megan Sanicki, or Sanicki, depending on, uh, the time of day is you know, basically how I, what decides how I pronounce her last name, um, is now our new executive director, um, and since then, there's been some additional changes. Um, uh, Josh, the CTO of uh, the Drupal Association, has also stepped down, and both Megan and Drees have posted blog posts about what all you know what, what's going on. At the DA, you know, there's a lot of people stepping down, a lot of changes. Um, the CFO has, has also stepped down at the Drupal Association, and. Um, Megan pretty, did a, did a really nice job of summing everything up in a blog post that she titled, um, Reorganizing for a Changing Drupal. And she attributes the, the, the need for change to the fact that the community is, is now in a different place than it was, you know, over the past couple of years. Um, for the past few few years, we've been really focused on getting Drupal 8 out the door. And it's the Drupal Association's role to support what the community is doing. And so they um, supported that effort in helping modernize our tools and paying off a lot, a lot of technical debt and raising money to you know, fund core contributors and, and basically do whatever they could to help the community get Drupal 8 out the door. Um, but... Now that Drupal 8 is out the door, the mission is kind of changing a little bit because now what we need to focus on is obviously there's still, there's still work to do with, you know, uh, additional versions of, you know, Drupal 8.1, 8.2, as well as getting contributed modules, um, uh, upgraded as well. But the effort to get Drupal 8 out the door is now behind us. And, um, the Drupal Association is kind of taking its cues from the community that what's next is we really need to grow Drupal 8 adoption. And that's a different skill set than um, supporting, uh, you know, a, a, an army of code contributors. So it's Megan's vision is that, you know, she wants to um, help uh, the Drupal Association um, grow its, its revenue base by helping organizations um, uh, connect with potential customers. So helping Drupal organizations or or organizations active in the Drupal community connect with potential customers as a way to, uh, raise revenue. Um, one of the important points, uh, that, uh, that she mentioned in her, in her bog, bog post in her blog post, (laughs) a bog post. that feels like the way I am right now in, in hot, humid Florida. I feel like I'm sitting in a bog. Um, one of the things she mentioned was the fact that for the past few years, you know, we had built up a, a lot of uh, financial reserves. Drupal Cons, especially the North American DrupalCon, Con, is um, really, really profitable. And we've been using those reserves to fund all of these initiatives to support the community in getting Drupal 8 out the door. Um, but at this point, we're you know, those reserves are just about gone. So we need to, and by we, you know, I'll say the Drupal Association needs to bring expenses in line with current revenue and not revenue that includes, um, uh, you know, borrowing from, you know, our, our whatever coffers are left. Um so I think that's that's the gist of, of where the DA is and where the changes have come from and I'll I'll look at Anna and Kelly first is did I did I miss anything as far as uh, the description of what's going on I guess
1: well, I No I think that sounds about <laughs> right um I, I saw a lot of uh FUD, I guess, fear, uncertainty, doubt going around after the announcement that, oh, well if we wanna to switch to GitHub and that's gonna be expensive and this, that and the other thing, but none of that was in the blog posts that I read. So I don't know if there's back channel stuff going around or just people freaking out because humans freak out about change and that's what we do.
0: Well that was you know so yeah that's something I didn't mention I, I we may have mentioned this on the last podcast where' where Josh had you know um another blog post about the difficulties you know of uh, of that scale of change um, yeah, that was
3: a great post if people haven't read that it really illustrated the complexity um it sounds very easy to say, yeah, let's just move to github, but
0: I hadn't. We, I hadn't thought about all the pieces that were involved in that. Yeah, we would lose a lot. Um, we would gain. I mean, we would gain and we would lose. And, and I, I don't think that blog post necessarily comes out on one side or the other as to whether or not we no. should do it or not. Um, but what it does a very nice job of is saying if we do it, then you know the scale of that effort is going to be something akin to the great Git migration. You know, move a few years ago when we went from you know SVN to Git because there's a lot of systems tied into Drupal's project release system. Um, And one that I I didn't even think about until um, I read the blog post was, you know, something I just mentioned was the ability to track um, contributions uh, back to the org organization. And that's something that's built on Drupal.org. That's kind of fully baked into Drupal.org and our issue queues. Um, And if we were to just kind of up and move, uh, you know, drupal.org projects to github we would we would have to re-architect that or maybe we would lose it for a time or um it was just a really well thought out um article and with a with a a really scary graphic showing all of the interdependent systems (laughs) (laughs) on drupal.org Okay, well, I think that's all. That's about all I wanted to mention. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add regarding this? I mean, it's a fairly big change. I, I wanted to make sure I kind of, I, I wanted to make sure I I, 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 did a fair overview of of what's going on. I guess it was. Yeah, I think fair. you
3: did. I, 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 th- I think it was fair. Yeah, okay. I feel like we need a little time to sort of understand all
0: the implications and see how this plays out. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's big. It's big. And it, you know, I think Megan's blog post really does a nice job towards explaining, you know, her thinking and, and the board's thinking. And, um, you know, Dries adds, um, some, some information in with his blog post as well. Um, that the community has different needs now and the DA needs to adapt to those needs and combine that with the fact that we ramped up. A lot of staff, and I, yeah, I, I guess I, one thing I didn't mention, which I, I'm now actually very sorry that I forgot at first, was in addition to Holly and Josh and um, I forget the CFO's name. I'm I'm so sorry, Matt. Thank you. Um, there were a, a, a number of other uh, DA staff that had to be let go as well, um, all in an effort to bring current revenue. In line with current expenses or current expenses in line with current revenue. So, um, kind of a a sad day for, uh, you know, uh, you know, more than a, more than a couple people who, uh, who are no longer with the Drupal Association. Um
2: by the way if I can say that yeah. Drupal agencies there are seven people available right now to be hired that know a lot about Drupal yeah, so I
0: can't imagine you
2: better you better tell your HR people to get in contact with them um yeah so they are very very good talent that did not have to go off the Drupal station because of their talent just because of other reasons but their talents they they're amazing they knew a lot about they know a lot about the Drupal Community, so they are the people you should hire now. I
0: I can't imagine any of them are going to be unemployed for that long. In, in, so, um, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on. So let's let that settle, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it on future podcasts. Um, but I just want to make sure we got the information out there. So definitely check out the links in the show notes. And read up on it. Um, it, It's important that, you know, as community members, we kind of know what's going on with the the Drupal Association and kind of know, you know, know the direction they're heading and what, and how they're supporting the the community. All right. So picks of the week. Uh, I'm going to go first because I know I've picked the rules module before. And and I'm sure the rules module, if we went back and looked how many times it's been a pick of the week, it might be the most picked pick of the week. Um, And I was actually, while I was, Setting up the rundown, I was, you know, I had a few notes um, written down about what could potentially be the pick of the week, but just a couple of days ago, I have this task where I'm using the flag module um, as a global flag. Uh, for a client site where they needed to flag a particular, you know, type of content and unflag it. And they'd have different people flagging and unflagging it and and, and things like that. And it was actually, it was a flag that had a field associated with it. So, um, if you've just used flags, like kind of out of the box, then you get to flag things and unflag things. But flags are also fieldable entities. So when you flag something, you can also set, you know, you can enter data into fields associated with that flag. So this was that type of flag that had some data associated with it and I had it all working great. And it kind of at the last minute, the client, you know, said, Hey, you know what we really need is we we really need a history of, you know, when stuff gets flagged and unflagged and what the value of those fields are. And I'm like, Oh man. So for, you know, an hour or two, I was doing some research. I was looking at like, is there such a thing as flag revisions and stuff like that? And I couldn't find anything. And, um, I think I had a lot to drink that morning and I excused myself and you know went to the went to the men's room and for a couple minutes and, I, and in that few moments of diffuse brain thinking see, see what I did there? <laughs> it, it came to Very me well. yes it came to me I could do all of this with the freaking rules module um, because the rules module has integration with the flag module so anytime something is flagged or unflagged um I could. I could kick off a, a rule. Um, you know there's a rule action for flagging or unflagging an item. Um, so within an hour or probably less than an hour, I had the solution and it was beautiful because it's so clean. I added a, a text area field onto this particular content type that stores um, kind of the, the history of the flag. And every time the flag is um, every time that particular node is flagged or unflagged, I basically have a rule that says, okay, well, if this node is of this type and if it has these, this field and this entity has this field, then I'm going to set a data value, which basically says this node was flagged on this date, time, date, or date, time by this user and the value of the field is this. And all that stuff I did within the rules interface Um, just using that, you know, the crazy, you know, token system or depend, I forget what it's called in in rules now, but where you set all those values using colons and all that stuff. Um, but I had it up and running and working and the client loves it. And I realized that if I hadn't like been familiar with the rules module, I probably, that probably would have been like half a day task, at least, um, writing a custom module to make that happen. Um, So that's why my pick of the week is, once again, the rules module. So Anna, top that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, I can't because rules is awesome. It's a great yes. workhorse. Um, and it, it, part of the pride I have in working with Drupal is taking these tools and building something awesome and custom out of it. So I totally understand where you're coming from, uh, with your love of rules. Um, so my pick of the week I learned about yesterday, it's called teleport.org. And it's a site that uses like big data, big data collection. Um, and it's for comparing different places to live. So I live in Chicago, I can put in, hey, I, I spend this much on rent. I make this much per month. I want to look at other cities that meet these criteria, and it can tell you, um, well, hey, so Toronto would be really good and it would be cheaper. But if you move to Zurich, is it even better match? But it'd be a lot more expensive for you to live there. Um, so it's focused on startups and knowledge workers, and so for those types of folks, and also kind of you know the digital nomads that uh, some of us in the community are. But it was pretty f- fun to play with, and it uh, lets me know places where I might need to move after uh, this year's elections. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was about to – that kind of answers my question. So very good. <laughs> that answered my question of why are you thinking about moving? <laughs> All right. Um, Kelly.
3: All right, so I switched up my pick of the week at the last minute. I was thinking about Schnitzel's keynote uh, and so decided to do something themed to go along with that. Um, So for years, people have been saying to me, you know, oh, you really should try mindfulness. And I'm like, look, I'm way too type A. I have 20 million super important thoughts in my head at any given moment, and they all need to be there. And there's no possibility that I could clear out all those important thoughts because that's just not the kind of person I am. Um, But in fact, if you can clear those 20 million thoughts out of your head, you will be less stressed, and you'll be better able to focus, and you'll be a little more relaxed. So finally, I decided to try it. Um, And there were two things that I didn't really get about mindfulness that that made the difference between being unwilling to try it and willing to test it out. Um, And one was that you don't actually have to clear your mind of all thoughts. It's not necessarily about being you know completely thoughtless which still seems impossible to me but it's just about being able to you know focus on one particular non-stressful thing like the fact that you're breathing um and uh and the second piece was the second piece has gone out of my head as i've talked about having no thoughts in my head that's awesome Um, so i'll tell you about the app and then i'll probably remember what the second thing was um so, uh, so the app that people really like is called Headspace, which is at headspace.com, and it's just a little guided mindfulness app to help you with that process. Maybe that was the second thing, that you don't have to sort of do it in the uh, in the emptiness of your own head. You can There are actually apps that can help you with this and help bring you back to um, – to focusing on being mindful when you start to go through your stress list um, instead, of, instead of calming down. Um, so I'm going to encourage other people to try for, you know, just 10 minutes a day
0: to get the 20 million thoughts out of your head. See, I've tried, I've tried Headspace. I've also yeah. tried, and I actually have it as a, um, like a little bookmark on my, my browser, like one I see all the time, for calm.com. Mm -hmm. um here's my problem with those with with apps and 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 websites like this is it doesn't solve the fundamental problem of i'm staring at my screen like i don't want to use an app to figure this to 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 you know lose my you know to clear my head because i know if i'm staring at my phone like an app on my phone i'm like you know a, a click away from looking at my email or if i'm looking at Oh, oh you know, the com website. There's you know thirteen little icons bouncing up and down, trying to get my attention on, on my on my dock. Um, that's right. but that's but I mean, can't that's... you just
3: close your eyes? Well, here's what like I do. With...
0: Here's yeah. what I do. I actually I have to physically run, get away from my devices, and the best way I do okay. that is I I put earbuds in and I put really good loud music on and I and I go outside. Yeah, that works. <laughs> And for me, that kind of, you know, this, it, it kind of goes right back to what we were talking about with, with Michael a little while ago. Um, and I've, I, until, so Michael, I'll give you credit for this. The, I'd, I'd never heard of the term diffuse, um, brain activity, um, until, until your keynote, but I know exactly as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, well that's, that's a label for when I'm really productive. Cause I know that if I'm stuck on something, if I can just kind of, defeat my own momentum and get away from or overcome my own momentum and get away from my computer and get outside with, with music on, it's almost, you know, it, it's almost guaranteed I'm going to come back to my laptop and have a solution for whatever thing I was trying to, you know, figure out a few minutes ago. Um, So for me, I mean, a headspace, it, it's a cool, it's a cool app. um, But for me, it, it it's not solving the problem, getting me away from that screen.
3: That makes sense. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I don't watch it. I close my eyes. So
0: yeah, that's too much um, of temptation for me. I'm. I'm. I'm not. Uh, that okay. strong.
3: But I did. But that did. You did cause me to remember the second thing, which was practice. That it's actually, you know, that that mindfulness is like a muscle, right? So yeah. you're the more you do it, the better you're actually going to get at it. And I think my initial reaction was, you know, yeah, I tried for. Ten seconds to clear my mind of thoughts, and it totally failed. And therefore, that will I will never clear my mind of thoughts um, (laughs) because I'm not built that way.
0: So there's a really good book. uh, You know, I'm gonna. I don't know the. I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but it's about mindfulness, and it's it's written by a guy I believe was like a reporter for ABC News or something, and he was like the biggest skeptic in the world when it uh, you know when it comes to mindfulness and. He actually used his job as a reporter to research it because he wanted to learn more about it and to see if he could figure out a way to work, make it work for him. So it, it's a really cool book because it it's coming from the point of skepticism about the whole thing. Um, and maybe I'll make that my pick of the pick of the week on the next podcast once I look up the title and stuff. It's a cool yeah. topic. Yeah, I can, it just
3: sounded it, it sounded very hippy dippy to me. Like, oh, I'm not gonna. You know.
0: Yeah, it's, but it's, it's actually, it's like you said, it's crazy difficult. It's crazy to, yeah. you know, it's just, it's difficult to think about nothing. And for me, what kind of flipped the switch to where, because now I look at it as a challenge. Like, don't tell me I can't do something, because, you know, screw you, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Don't tell me I can't <laughs> think about nothing. You know, watch this. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. So maybe we'll just change this podcast to like the, the Drupal Easy Mental Health Podcast because I, I could talk about this stuff a lot. <laughs> so Michael, what do you got for us?
2: Yeah, I got one. Um, we just talked about reducing stress. And one thing I realized is that Wednesday evening was very stressful for me every time because that's at least when you are in the European time zone the Drupal security updates came out. And every time you get emails, like the, you get – or you you see the tweets from the security team, you're like, uh-oh, do I need to update all my sites? Do I need to update all my sites? And that was stressful. So I tried to find a solution. I found it. It's called DropGuard. And it's basically a tool that you let to connect to your Drupal site, and it does all that for you. So they check every time a new module comes out, if a security update or also not, they will automatically your, um, update your Drupal and so oh, yeah I'm less stressed now because I know there's a tool that will automatically update my Drupal site and prevent me from the second Drupal get-on that might come.
0: Yes outstanding yep that is a that's a very cool service that drop it's a drop guardnet is that right? Yeah. Correct that's yes right. okay very good thank you for that uh upcoming events it looks like um wow we are uh, we're going to be a well-traveled bunch here um so i will be at drupal north uh next week up in montreal is anyone else going to be there oh sweet all right well i'll see you uh i'll see you next week fantastic and drupal dev days so michael it's safe to well you're over in the u.s right now are you gonna are you heading to dev days
2: No, I'm going to be in Austin during that time. But I have people from the Zurich office. They will go there. Yeah,
0: how could you not? Say hello. It's in Milan. There's really good food.
2: Yes, yeah. yeah. And we just opened a new tunnel between Zurich and Milano. Maybe you heard. Maybe we heard, yes.
0: (laughs) It's been all over the (laughs) news. I think Dries actually actually blogged about it because the official website of the tunnel is a Drupal site or something.
2: Yeah, I guess who built it. Oh,
0: (laughs) there you go. Well, it's a lovely site. Thank you. Um, Twin Cities Drupal Camp, I'm going to guess this is – you're going to be here, Anna? Are you doing like back-to-back camps?
1: Um, I put it up there uh, just as an upcoming event. I am not uh, going there. My husband and I are taking a uh, much-belated honeymoon, so I will be in uh, UK for three weeks. and We'll be skipping Twin Cities this year, but it's an awesome camp, so if you're debating going, just go.
0: Really a strong and just a really good Drupal community up in uh, up in the Twin Cities. So if you're within striking distance of that one, definitely you should check that one out. Uh, Drupal GovCon uh, in DC, July twentieth and uh, through twenty second. Um, I will be there. I'm training on one of the days. I don't know exactly which day yet. They haven't told me, but I'll be giving a introduction to uh, Drupal workflows. Um, workshop, full-day workshop there for free at um, Drupal uh, GovCon. Um, Ryan Price, uh, our missing co-host, has a session called Learning to Love Blocks again. I have a session on writing custom content migrations for Drupal 8. Um, and anybody else going to be in, uh, in D.C. for GovCon? Nope, just me. Nope. And Kelly, I'm guessing since it's right practically in your backyard that Correct. you will be at design for drupal i will be um so that's a great
3: front-end ux designy conference um in cambridge massachusetts and they are still accepting session proposals um i don't know when how soon we'll post this podcast uh but it sounded like they were probably going to hold it open past the deadline so there may still be time by the time you're listening to this get your session proposals in
0: is anyone planning on going to NICE camp this year? I know that's an earlier in July. I'm actually toying with the idea. That's July 8th through 11th, I believe, at the same – at the UN, at the United Nations building um, in New York City. So that's another camp, which uh, I failed to put on the upcoming events list. But that one is, uh, is coming up a, actually a month from today, now that I look at the date. So, lots of, uh, lots of really fun camps, um, really good events, uh, coming up here in the next, uh, month or two. So, let's talk about, uh, Michael, where can people find you online?
2: Um, everywhere, basically. But <laughs> I guess the easiest is Twitter at Schnitzel or on my website, schnitzel.io.
0: Where does the, where's the username come from?
2: Um, it's, Somehow in school, and my last name, so my last name is Schmid, which also starts with S C H. Right, right. And I just really like schnitzel, so I think somehow people started to call me that, and it never went away. And then you know, at one point, you you start your internet life, and you get asked about the username, and then you type something in. That's what I did.
0: And boom, there you go. And yeah.
2: that boom, there you go. Yeah,
0: it's fun to say, that's for sure. Schnitzel.
2: <laughs> it's, it, it's really weird, though, to actually have an Instagram account with the name Schnitzel. Um, I have to unflag myself like five times a day of people of people tagging Schnitzel <laughs> in Instagram.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, so, that's a real first-world problem. I,
2: yeah, I guess I have to read into like um, machine learning and figuring out if it's a Schnitzel or if it's my face <laughs> and untagging myself from from Instagram or so.
0: There you go, Kelly. How about you? Where can people find you online?
3: I am bright bold on D O and Twitter and the web and most other places. All right,
0: and Anna.
1: I am a colada. Also, pretty much everywhere. All right. I'm. I'm
0: actually. I'm, I'm actually suddenly very psyched about next week that we're going to get to hang out again. There's actually going to be a yeah, bunch it'll people be up fun. There. Yeah, surprisingly, uh, a bunch of people that uh, I didn't expect to to be in Montreal are going to be in Montreal. So that's going to be a that's going to be a fun weekend. I'm um, looking
1: forward to poutine.
0: Poutine, yes. I think I,
1: I'm not uh, sure if I've ever yes. had it
0: before. I know
1: what it I is. haven't had it in Montreal, but And it's definitely
0: like it's more of like French Canadian than than non French Canadian, right?
1: Oh absolutely.
0: Okay. Alright. Well good. We'll we'll have some, some poutine then. Um where am I? Oh yeah. The internet. Uh, Drupal Easy at Drupal Easy on Twitter, com, blah, 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 Drupal Easy, Drupal Easy, Drupal Easy. Our missing co host, Andrew M. Riley, Liberator, Ted Bo. Um, I'm not even going to mention Ted's old company since he's now an Aquian. I'm actually going to, that's right, Kelly. Get that out of the rundown. It's gone. Kelly just deleted it. It's like Ted's almost dead to us anyway, so. <laughs> Although it was Andrew who, I'm going to say it again, Andrew wanted to shovel <laughs> lines onto my body. So I wanted to no, see, we, we
1: can't kill Ted because he's working on all the d module porting stuff.
0: All right. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe. Anyway. All right. Five questions. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite parts of our podcast. Michael, so the idea here is, and we're going to pretend like you did not already fill in the answers here. Uh, the idea here is we're going to ask you five questions, and you're just going to give us quick answers off the top of your head. And we're going to have fun with them. So the first question cool. – Name something interesting you do outside of Drupal.
2: I fly drones. What kind of drone? Either in first-person view. What kind of drone do you so, have? So like little ones, mm-hmm. little ones like uh, first-person view. So they have a camera in front and you have like video goggles on and you fly them like – it's like Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so you fly against friends and you crash and you rebuild. It's actually a big part of it is building, then not flying, but hey, that's what it's about. And then I also have a really, really big one that I'm still waiting on a possibility to actually take the group picture with. But um, drone regulations are unfortunately very hard. So it's an octocopter that lifts like a whole Canon camera. And you can fully control it and make cool videos of it. And, yeah, that's what I do when I have time.
0: So do you do any of the drone racing, like, through the…
2: Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's the FPV stuff. Yeah. and. Um, Man. Yeah. All
0: right. That's cool. So you 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 seem to manage your time really well. I think because it seems like you do a lot.
2: Yeah, I just do a lot of small things. I would say I'm not oh. I'm not a person that can focus on one thing and do only that. I'm I need like I need to do a lot of different things, and that's one of them. I'm
0: gonna guess that you do but- not have
2: any children. I do not. No, oh, I don't okay. have a dog. That <laughs> it. Okay. That, that, now, now I understand. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not yet. I have to say, but I I, I I love playing with children. It's actually one of my favorite things to do outside of the office, is to to play with children because I feel they have another view of the world that we adults sometimes lose. Yeah, we're so, definitely locked yeah. into
0: perspectives a lot where, where where kids aren't. I see that a lot with my kids. Um. Name the the last piece of software that you installed.
2: Yes, it was beginning of the week, so I just moved into a new office and uh, into a new apartment building. And uh, I finally bought myself an Alexa and with some other tools like Wink... Um, which is like I can automate my whole home. So I can come home and I can tell Alexa that it should turn on the lights and it turns them on and I can turn, I tell it it should turn on the TV. And when I go to bed, I just tell it turn everything off and it all happens automatically. So that's so what's, what, really cool. What piece of that
0: is Wink? What is Wink hardware or is that software? or
2: Yeah, so Wink connects your smart switches. So you have to replace all the switches in your apartment right. or house. Okay. And, but Wink is like the controller okay. that controls these smart switches and Wink and Alexa can communicate together. So there you, you can tell by Alexa, you can connect all and you can create groups. So like you can say like the living room and everything that is in the living room is either turned on or off and all that kind of stuff.
0: So do you have a Wink command or an Alexa command that you can say that automatically turns on all of your drones and has, has them hover in your apartment like four feet off the ground?
2: Uh, no, but damn! Now I don't have a weekend. That would be cool. Yeah, let's get on. With that. <laughs> no, that would be cool. <laughs> no, I'm working on like, on like blinds right now. I'm realizing that blinds manufacturers are not really in the Internet of Things yet. So we'll see. There you go. I guess you'll I have to manually use my blinds.
0: What is a goal that you have not accomplished yet, but one that's terrifying? And
2: if you'd like, we can call up your coach, and we could
0: talk to your coach about this. <laughs>
2: Actually one thing that was very terrifying for me like a year ago so I'm as I said I'm the group CTO now but I used to be the CTO for Basilabs Zurich and giving that up and moving on that was very terrifying for me but with my coach um yeah and just maybe um making baby steps and by a piece by piece so but I actually accomplished that now so I think for me just Life in general is very terrifying. If I would tell somebody that never experienced life and that I would tell them about life, like all the things you have to do and that you have to go like that 30% of your time of your day, you're actually spending with working. And then another 30% you spend with sleeping. So you are like, it sounds very strange. Like life in general sounds very strange to me. I mean, we're all doing it and there's no, no escape, but I think. I think I'm, I want to achieve life. So I, yeah.
0: I, I think I just want to curl up in a ball at this point. You just scared me. <laughs> <with that>. I'm <laughs> sorry. Holy cow. Um, what's the last exotic animal that you hand-fed?
2: Um, an elephant. Yeah, so we have an office in Cape Town, South Africa. And they have very cool safaris there. So we went out there and we rode and hand-fed an elephant. That was – these things are big. I knew they are there be. So don't tell us yet. I want us to
0: guess. So we're gonna go around the horn here. I wanna guess what did you feed the ele- elephant? So I'm gonna let Anna go first. What do you think Michael fed the elephant?
1: Let's say a carrot.
0: A carrot. Alright, Kelly, what do you think? Wow. Hey? Do elephants eat hay? I think you guys are missing the obvious. Correct. <laughs> I actually have two answers because I thought one of you was going to say peanuts for sure.
1: Well, I figured that was going to be your
0: answer. (laughs) Well, but come on. I gave you the opportunity to steal. So I kind of want to say peanuts, but I have a feeling it was uh, my actual guess is going to be it was some sort of like leafy branch, like some branch that, you know, some safari guide hacked off a tree and handed to you. And then you held it out while the elephant ate it.
2: Yeah, it's actually, I don't really know what it was. <laughs> it was it was some kind of pellets, like meshed. I think it's wheat and maybe weeds and some things. <laughs> so, so that's what they... Did it come out of a giant bag that, that said elephant treats? I, it, it was a bucket, and you really had to be careful that they don't steal it from you, because if you turn around and they know the bucket, yeah, the whole bucket is gone, because they're so <laughs> strong with their nose or how... How you call the thing trunk. in English? The trunk, trunk, yes. So they are so clever. Um, yeah, so like while you feed them, so you hand them some of that pellets, and then they just go with the trunk. They just go into the basket because they know there's more there. So, um, wow. yeah, they're very cool animals. All right, very cool.
0: And finally, um, so I'm, I don't like the answer you wrote down, so I'm going to force you to give us a different one. Um, what was your tipping point Drupal moment? Or in a, So I, let me explain this one a little bit more. Um, When you were first starting to get into Drupal and, and, you know, started developing Drupal sites or working with Drupal, however you, you first started, um, was there a moment when you realized, Oh, wow, this Drupal thing is is really cool. And I think, I think this could be a big part of what I do for work.
2: Yes. Yes. Definitely. That was DrupalCon Copenhagen. So quite some time ago. And that. There was the, I mean, the whole, it was my first DrupalCon and just the fact that Drupal, that we had our own bar. So we basically completely took over a bar and we also had our own beer. So there was a DrupalCon beer, Drupal sauce, it was called. And just realizing like all these, that it's more than just code. And I think the crazy dipping point was the closing ceremony. Maybe some of you remember the Kitten Killers, so there used to be <laughs> yes. a band by I think was it Note One. That I sounds some right of them, yeah. So the closing ceremony, they played the song "You Are the Module to My Theme" or on the other way around. I'm not I don't remember. And basically, like two thousand people in one concert in one conference room sang that song together, and that was such a yeah, that was like a tipping point. I realized. Oh my God, that community is so much more than just some PHP code. So that yeah. is
0: a fantastic answer. That's yeah, exactly what we're looking for. Wonderful. All right, very good. Well, Michael, thank you very much for taking the time um, to talk thank to you us. You're very today. welcome. Uh, thanks for the community keynote. It was it was wonderful. Um, these community keynotes are, are, ter- are starting to turn into like a highlight of DrupalCons for me. I think they're they're so important and. and You know, so far we've had, you know, we're two for two with, you know, you and and Mike Bell. You know, they've been outstanding so far, I think. Um, So let me mention real quick, uh, WebEnabled.com and DevPanel.com, longtime sponsors of the Drupal Easy podcast. You can build, manage, and deploy your sites using WebEnabled.com and DevPanel.com. If you enjoyed our podcast, by all means, come get more. You can get them at DrupalEasy.com slash podcast. Or you can search for Drupal Easy in any of your favorite podcast catchers. Um, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, please give us a call in the U.S. at plus one, three, two, one, three, nine, six, two, three, four, zero. If you'd like to submit a story or check out some of the stories we're thinking about um, having on the next podcast, you can do that at reddit.com slash r slash Drupal Easy and we've got a bunch of podcasts planned in the near future, uh, including um, James King and Sarah Thrasher, two of our GovCon organizers. And Sean Dearmond from the University of California is going to be uh, coming on the podcast to talk about higher ed and Drupal 8. And Mark Drummond from Lullabot, who is a front-end designer extraordinaire, will be coming on to talk about component-based theming, which if you are following along, um, uh, since DrupalCon New Orleans, uh, with, you know, talking about what's the future of Drupal theming, um, component-based theming is kind of the new hotness. So definitely want to check that out. And, uh, let me say to Anna and Kelly, thank you both very much for making time today to join us.
1: Hey, yeah. Thanks for having us.
0: There you go. Thank you very much. And Michael, thank you as well once again. And we will see everybody else on the next episode of the Drupal Easy Podcast.